0: it. So let's I'm going to go ahead and hit record. Okay, which is also hit record, but that's not what we're doing. Okay. okay, so whenever you're ready, go for it. Hi, it's David Lawson from awakewarrior.com. You're listening to Jeff Smith and I at veer veer vroom vroom. No, no, vroom vroom veer. Try. Oh it. shit. <laughs> <laughs> and you made me laugh. So try it again. Hi, it's David Lawson from AwakeWarrior.com. You're listening to Jeff Smith and I at Vroom Vroom Veer. We look forward to talking to you today. Well done. I'll take it. You got all the pieces in. All right. I'm going to hit stop. I'll be right back. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith Thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer, and welcome to the show. How's it going?
1: Ray Jeffrey. It's excellent. I'm so happy to be here.
0: So you are at, uh, well, thank you for being here, and thank you those, for those nice words. Um, you're having your tea. I'm having my water. We're comfortable and having a good time, just meaning having met each other. Okay, great. Nice cities aside. You are uh, Misha Rubin. You're at thecareerleap.com, and that's a pretty awesome title there. I like your URL. So talk a little bit about what you're most excited about in your business today.
1: Oh, mine. So what I do is I facilitate meaningful, intentional changes at work and in life for people. Ooh, baby. So when people want... That's a good gig. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead. So when, when, when somebody wants to make, for instance, some change in their career, trying to figure out what's next for them, or want to actually transform their life more broadly, that's when they come to me.
0: I love that. That sounds like a really good gig. I don't want to do it, but it sounds like a good gig.
1: (laughs) Listen, I'm having a lot of fun doing it.
0: It just so happens that yesterday was my last day at work. Hopefully forever. Mm. Yes. So I am right in that space of, hey, what's next? Right. Mm. So, So, yes, we can talk about it. (laughs) How convenient. (laughs) Yes. So what is next
1: for you then? Uh, now I'm curious.
0: Well, uh, what is next for me? Um, I'm going to say, like, I, the, the, the best answer I heard was, like, yesterday or maybe earlier today. Have you ever heard of this guy named Derek Sivers? He's, like, yeah, semi... That, yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah, the one that did uh,
0: CD Baby. CD Baby, yes. I, I
1: released my album through CD Baby.
0: That's amazing. So, Derek Sivers was just asked that question. And he said, you know, now that you, you've made all this money and you've sold your company and you've renounced your U.S. citizenship and have $22 million and lots of money and you can do anything you want. What do you want to do? And he said, I want to write poetry and plant trees. <laughs> because he can, right? And he hasn't planted any trees yet, but that's kind of my fill-in answer because I don't know. But I know from past experience you can't just, you know, like party all the time. So I'll have to write poetry and plant trees, and that's a fill-in for something that I'll actually do because I'm I'm not going to do either one of those two things. Does that make any kind of sense?
1: I'm just going sure. That's the that's exactly the point when people come to me and say, "Hey, I am either have this like like I'm retired, you know, I'm retiring, right, right, right. I am, you know, I've made enough money and I'm thinking about what to do next, or I'm in this corporate career and I." You know, I've been successful, but now I'm actually interested in fulfillment or, yeah. <laughs> you know, or I I haven't been making enough money and I want to have a career where I want to make money. So I think part of my methodology that I developed is to understand the criteria for change. And that's kind of the deep inner work that I do with my clients to get to before, like figuring out what you want to do Mm. in life is really a function of knowing who you are. Right. And that's really the deep work that we do.
0: Awesome. So maybe I should have you on my show like once a week for about, I don't know, two months so I can get free coaching.
1: (laughs) Who knows? We might come up with a deal like that. I'm teasing. (laughs) You will have to be really vulnerable though.
0: I'll pay you a lot of money and you can give me my next thing. (laughs) I'm uh, uh, maybe you never know. Maybe, maybe you never know. Okay. So this is Room Vroom Veer. So you didn't know this, but we got to go back in time and talk about you as a child. So talk a little bit about uh, where you grew up and what your childhood was like.
1: Mm. I grew up in Ukraine. In fact, I grew up in the former Soviet Union.
0: Ro- oh, wow. And... Okay. So in Ukraine, when it was so- from former Soviet Union. Wow. Okay. My childhood was great.
1: It's, there, I, don't, I don't think there's like... I've had great friends that I'm still friends with. I okay. loved mathematics and I wow. had a degree in mathematics and I had great teachers and I lived like a normal you know, middle class like life and it was awesome.
0: Okay, all right. So, we're, okay, math. So if I were to say math, in my mind... That means you're probably not like. Were you not into sports at all, or were you into sports?
1: No, I was diving. You oh know, wow! I was not okay. Not like a super superman, but you know I did some sports. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Good for you. I, I so yeah. Like I grew up in uh, Upper Peninsula, Michigan. So it was really cold and snowy. Did you have snow where you grew up? Is there yeah. snow in Ukraine? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think, I think it's a little bit less now, but when I grew up, we had a lot of snow. I grew up skiing. We went to Carpathian Mountains and skied a
0: lot. Wow. Okay, that sounds fun. <laughs> so what about like college? Did you go to college? Did you get a degree in math? Is that what happened?
1: Yeah, I started my studies back in Ukraine, but then I moved to the States and I, and I got my degree in computer science and math at NYU. Computer
0: studies and math. Okay. So that's an interesting uh, combination. I like that. Um so did you uh, what was your first job then after you got out of college?
1: My first job I was working in a man- in a small management consulting firm and then I worked on Wall Street for many years. Um Okay. Yeah, so I think one of the things and that's one of the big realization for me it, um as a career educator, you know, as we I usually say if you look at your career choices you probably haven't made a single authentic conscious choice in your career and I pinpoint people to three things okay one is other people's opinions right sure so and it doesn't have to be necessarily somebody's forcing you but just ideas in, in the environment your parents in your community so in the community of you know immigrants from the former Soviet Union um when, when we, you know, the, the idea was you have to graduate, get a degree in computer science, graduate as soon as possible and go work on Wall Street. So I did <laughs> okay. just that.
0: That's how that's how to be successful, <clears throat> right? that That's the path. Yeah. Right. So, okay.
1: So that's the first one is other people's opinion. The other one, the second one is circumstances, right? So these jobs. So if you look at your career, like how this job and then maybe that job, or maybe somebody knew somebody or maybe... Just it popped up, or recruiter found you, or somebody called you. Like it's very circumstantial. Mm
0: -hmm. And the
1: third driver is inertia. So that's how you stay in one place for a long period of time because. Right. For whatever reason, maybe you don't think there is anything better. Maybe you don't think you're capable for anything better. Maybe you're afraid to take a risk. Right. But if you look at these three drivers, those probably the three ones that drive most of people's <clears throat> career decisions, mm. and then no wonder that a lot of people, and I'm talking about like 80% and more of people that don't feel fulfilled or satisfied at their jobs right now. So no wonder there is no like very right. predictable outcome.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what sort of work were you doing? Were you using more of the math or the, more of the computer science? I, obviously, it sounds like you were on Wall Street, so maybe more of the math stuff.
1: No, I did a lot of computer science. I, I you know oh, I okay. some of the technology. Okay. But over time, I became more technology and business, and then you know, and then I became a partner to Ernst Young. So I was selling projects and delivering projects and working with the Wall Street clients and so mm. doing a lot of important Things. Air quote,
0: important. Right? Um,
1: um, yeah, till one moment. Till one moment, I remember that was like about more than three years ago now that I was sitting in one of these meetings, business meetings, in, in a conference room. It was before COVID with real people and everybody was talking. And I heard my, you know, my corporate voice, you know, talking. Right. And then I heard my quiet voice and my quiet voice told me, Hey, there's no way you're going to be doing this anymore. You you are that's not aligned with who you are. Mm. It wasn't that polite, that voice. But that's basically <laughs> what it said. And at that time, I was, you know, I was with management consulting firm for 15 years. I was a partner for five of them. Mm-hmm. I was making more money than I could have ever imagine as an immigrant coming from Ukraine. Right. I also didn't have a clear idea what to do. I also was a breadwinner in my family and mm-hmm. had three young kids. Mm. and I did something that I'm not recommending to anybody, but I jumped over the cliff. And um, (laughs) it was kind of really like a moment of truth and a moment of choice for me. And I usually say, don't jump over the cliff. It's it's dangerous. It's not a good idea. And as I was flying over the cliff, I was thinking that we are taught zillions of things in our lifetime, but nobody really teaches us about career education like, how do we choose what's right for us? What's the right profession? What's the right career? What's the right organization? What's the right mm. industry? Mm-hmm. When it is the right time to make change? Like, how do we know all these things? Nobody teaches us. And True. and I basically dedicated my life from that point on of <clears throat> developing tools to help people make these decisions and make choices that are right for them and make them. So I turned them into the career leap method, which is like, like a system of right. tools and approaches. So you can actually do it in a very conscious systematic way.
0: And you learn, you can learn those very important sort of like career leapy skills, or <laughs> well, maybe more like how to navigate, you know, your whole work life. Yeah. Well, yeah. well I think it's related to... You. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, so the tools are related actually A to understanding who you are and what it is you want. Mm. Right. So the mm. tools are related to understanding what are the possibilities are out there. Because one of the things people feel stuck in their careers, they really don't understand the scope of what's available to them. And then then how do you make the choice? And 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 then from that point on, when you know what it is you want and what it is you're pursuing, then it's all about how do you build a compelling personal brand story that resonates, how you Take all your knowledge and experience and skills and package in a way that it's relevant, mm. or for the audience and for the jobs that you're pursuing. How do you actually get what you want?
0: Right, ah, that's that's pretty good. So h- how did that how did that leap work out for you in particular? What happened next? Well, <laughs>
1: yeah, what happened? You know, so you know when I left um, my corporate career in the beginning, like I tried a bunch of different ideas, and then one morning I woke up. And I was like, "Oh my God! I know exactly why I wasn't fulfilled. I know exactly why I had language for it." And that was the beginning of the Career Leap Method. <clears throat> and I'm a man of action, so as soon as I had this idea, I was like, "Okay," I, I um, posted on Facebook and LinkedIn, and I got my first three clients.
0: Oh wow! And,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just like was, and Holy, uh, that's and a, as the more I work text. with people, the more I work with people, the more I was developing my method. The more I understood what's missing. It's still in develop. I I still add things and change things all the time. The more I work with people, the better I understand what it is people need, what type of questions they need to ask themselves, what type of research they need to do, what types of disempowerment beliefs they need to, to deal with, mm. what type of support they need. So the more I've done it. The more I build out my method, but right now it's very, it's in a very mature state. It's pr- been mm. producing a lot of great outcomes for people. So, yeah, that's my leap story. That's amazing. One of my many leap stories, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> well, maybe we'll get some more, <laughs> but that's a really good one. So, you said this kind of happened like pre-COVID. So, what was lockdown like for you? And and. Was your leap sort of like right around or right before or right after lockdown? How did that work out?
1: It was a very challenging lockdown for me because I'm a parent of three young kids. So any parent would relate how hard it was to be with kids (laughs) uh, at that period. And then... We also decided to move. We lived in New York City, and then first we moved temporarily out of the city, then we decided to make a permanent move. So that was like a lot of moving. But from my business perspective, it was actually a time of a lot of uh, introspection for people. So that was a lot of time when people were, I I guess, um, ending up locked down at your home kind of forces you to think about some esoteric matters that you're often busy to think about. So from my business perspective, it was you know, a, a fine time because people were questioning things. And w- what I'm really interested in working people that want to question their status quo, want to challenge it and want to see what's, you know, on the other side.
0: It, it did, you know, have the the lockdown and the pandemic had so many um, documented now, everybody knows this, right. But like, obviously horrible, right. But so many silver linings, like, how we would have never had a hybrid work kind of environment in the U.S. without that lockdown, and it's still mm. continuing, right? So it's changed the work landscape completely. It's opened up so many new opportunities for remote work, hybrid work. Like I, I, I was in a um, government job that 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 job that I just quit that I told you about. <laughs> so I was working with the uh, U.S. Department of Energy, and you know, March 17th, we all went home and we stayed home until like, I don't know, two years. (laughs) So, you know, we all had, and being in the it shop, we had to figure that out. Right. So we got lucky. We got super lucky. Like the guys that I was working with, like I want to say like January or something, they were like, um, this pandemic might be a thing. So let's make more remote servers. (laughs) and they right. were right you know so uh anyway so let's talk a little in bit fact, about yeah that whole like what the what pandemic to yeah
1: in fact this is what i want to say that this one of the things that people don't realize like we live in the most extraordinary times from career opportunities so true and there are four reasons for that the so number one is um that with pandemic there is much fewer geographic boundaries to work, right? Right. Nobody ever had that. Like we need to acknowledge nobody ever had that. Totally. Number two, also, pandemic that that's already was in place, but I think pandemic accelerated the whole business and societal shift, mm. right? And every time there is a shift, there is always opportunities, mm. business opportunities. There's always some new things happening, and I think we we are seeing a lot of that right now. Number three there's been the least amount of barriers to start your business and i just used myself as an example i have no idea what people had to do 30 years ago when they wanted to start their business but right now you can it's, it's just much easier to do it i'm not saying it's easy to to have a business or run it but to start <clears throat> it, it's much easier right whether it's for you or for other people And number four, unprecedented access to learning, right? So you can sit on your couch, you can get an MBA, you can get a certification degree from an Ivy League school, Mm. you can get classes for free. Mm. You know, there are so many options for education. You can just learn things for fun. (laughs) You can learn things for fun. But if you look at these four things, that no other generation ever had what's available to us. So if not now... um, the uh, when it is will be a better time to. There's never going to be a for better time, your, right? But yeah. you, to, if you want a job that's meaningful, fulfilling, and whatever you want to be successful, you want to be on the top of your game. Right now is really, truly, just very unique times that our parents couldn't even dream about.
0: Yeah, totally. You know, and I, th- there is no other circumstance I can conceive of that would make a federal employee learn how to do a Zoom call. Other than a pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) But they all know how now and they don't want to go back to the office. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about this whole idea of a career because you kind of talked a little bit about how like when we go to school, you and Ukraine and me too, like we never learned that growing up. But, you know, this whole idea of your work life being a career, that whole idea has changed like pandemic and probably before that and after. So let's talk a little bit about what your thoughts on just the whole concept of what a career means.
1: Right. I think that what what I think uh, even probably our generation, when we went to college, we thought we choosing a profession for life, right? I don't know. Yeah. That was definitely our parents or like I have an older brother when you were choosing your profession. And at that time, colleges costed much less money, right? And mm whatever the money that cost it was still pretty expensive, you knew that you're making an investment for life. And I think right now you're living in a different world that regardless whatever it is you're going to study in college or whatever it is you think you're going to be doing, most likely you'll be changing your career more than once in your for lifetime. Sure. So I would say the the generation that graduating from colleges now should be counting on having multiple careers right. and multiple career paths. So I think from that perspective it's even more important to know how to make right decisions because you'll be making those decisions more than once in your life and more than once you probably will be doing pivots and making significant changes so i would say if if you know if in the past we cared about like you know having you done this choice just how to navigate that career that's one thing. But now in this world, I think the career education just becomes even more relevant because you'll be making those choices for a lifetime.
0: Yeah. And you'll keep doing it. That's one thing that I'm really grateful. You know, okay, here's an opportunity for Misha to learn a little bit about Jeff. <laughs> so I was in okay. the military 20 years, right? So I was in mm-hmm. the Air Force. And in the military, you have to move and change jobs. Not, I mean, you're not technically changing jobs, but you're definitely changing places and bases. Like every two or three years uh, or maybe four, something like that. So that was really cool for me, right? I was more or less doing the same thing, but always a little bit different. It's sort of like there was this core of same stuff, you know, and then maybe there'll be more computer stuff or maybe there'll be more HR stuff. But for the most part, you know, I knew my job, right? But completely different place. <laughs> Whole new bunch yep. of people, and that was great, you know. So like uh, when I became a civilian, I was like, "Man, I missed that." <laughs> right. I was really primed, you know, for you know, I don't want to I think I met somebody. So when I got this this job in 2018 with the Department of Energy, right. One of my coworkers, she had been a federal employee and she had had that job in the same building for 17 years. And she said that and I was like, "Wow, seventeen years in one place." <laughs> yeah. And she went, "Is that weird?" And I went, "No, that's completely normal. It would be weird if you were in the military." But and she was like, "Yeah, but you did that." And I was like, "Sure, I did twenty years, but that was like two years here and uh, three years here and four years here, and then a, a t- deployment for fifty-nine days, and then a, you know another, you know, so." It was broken up, right? It was less boring. <laughs> Sorry.
1: But I think right now people will be really forced. You know, people will be for that. Some jobs right. will be going away. Some jobs will be transforming how they are with, right. with technology, with all the chat GPT, like all the artificial intelligence components that are becoming right. oh, yeah. much more real. In much less abstract, the way I think even a year ago, when people talked about AI, that still seemed to be very abstract. But now we have very specific tools that can write for you, create poetry for you, can make really uh, cool
0: art, <laughs>
1: make cool art, create documents right. that can really do a lot of write code. Yeah, so writing I would code say is scary, right? All those developers the are having of to learn jobs. that.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I, what, my, in my job now, I sit right next to a developer. And he explained, he explained to me, he was like, I have to learn how to use these tools. (laughs) I have no choice, even if I don't like them. And I'm like, yes, "Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, okay. So let's take a veer moment here because this is kind of an interesting question that I, I, I want to hear your thoughts. So how do you know if being an entrepreneur is right for you?
1: Great. That's an, an a great question. So, being an entrepreneur, and actually, that's one of the one of the modules in my program d- discussing that particular topic. I would say so. There are several points there. One thing, different people are motivated in a different way, right? So we have different. One of the core uh, concept behind the Career Leap method, I call it uh, your career blueprint okay which is a set of criteria of about you and about your and you what you want you know that criteria there are three types of criteria there's an innate criteria this is related to this is how you are this is how Jeff is we're not going to change Jeff this is how you've been designed and that's how you've been operating all your life right so that's one piece right. then there is that's innate criteria. Then there is an aspirational criteria. So this is related to what it is you want, You know, like what it is you want, whether it's responsibilities, growth, money, learning, uh, type of organization you want to be like, what do you want? And the third type of criteria, I call it integrational criteria. It's related to how your work and non-work life integrate together, right? So one of the pieces of innate criteria is your motivational mechanism, because as humans we motivated in a lot of different ways. So there are three ways, there are three types of motivation mechanism. The first one, some people are motivated by outcomes. You know, like if you look at a real estate agent, for instance, or a salesperson, or even a builder, you know, or project manager, you know, to be good at that, you've got to be mo- motivated by outcomes. If you have a particular deadline, particular time, particular outcome. Now, there's a different type of people that are motivated by The process. So if you take a researcher or investigator, like a lot of scientists, or people that invent drugs, sometimes they don't know what exactly they're looking for, or they maybe have an idea what it is they're looking for, but they don't know exactly when they find it and how it would look like. It's very, so if you take a person who is very outcome-driven and put them into this kind of investigation research mode, it will drive them insane, right? So so, (laughs) there are people that are motivated by process. They really just like in the process, right? And Mm -hmm. there are people that are motivated by um by interaction and human connection. You know, there's mm. some people, you know, right, if you right. ever were like even a barista in a mm. coffee shop, there's somebody who'll instantly connect with you, or or a waiter in a restaurant, or maybe it's a social worker or a teacher, somebody that would have an or, or a podcast host, you know, somebody who would have <laughs> an instance connection with you. You know, so so depending on your Motivational mechanism. So, what usually happens for entrepreneurs, you got to be really strong in all three of them. You got to be driven by outcomes because if you're not driven by outcomes, it's very hard to build a business. Mm. But you got to be like also enjoying the process. Right. Because if you, part of being entrepreneur is a lot of in and out and unexpected and research investigation. Right. And if your business has anything to do with people, unless you, I don't know, you, you're selling some non-human things to other non-human forms. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, you gotta be great in everything. So those are foundations for being an entrepreneur. Now, not everybody has all three of them and that's why you see that a lot of businesses are developed in partnerships right mm. you because you got to cover all these three there is no right. way around it right. and so that's if you if you personally don't have all of these qualities mm. maybe it is a partnership On top of that you got to be like self motivated you got to be very self structured person because as entrepreneurs you don't have a boss there's nobody that's coming you to do what so there's a, some other qualities that I actually learned that that you get. So that's to me like a good starting point for you. Right. Uh on, on making the decision. I think um in our society that's one of the that's one of the things that I deal with is people have this very romantic idea that I need to own my own business. Right now it's very fashionable. Right. Uh, right it's not right. For, the, the reality is really not for everybody. But let me give you like an interesting example of one of my uh, clients. So this woman, she she's an international tax attorney. So imagine how smart you have to be and how educated you have to be to be that. And smarter she came than to me. me, way way that, smarter than me. And she's like, I I just hate it. You know, like I accidentally, you know, got into this. Somebody said maybe lows, Somebody said maybe international tax is a good idea. One thing after another, here I am. This is not what I wanted to do. And the only idea that I have is to start my own business. Now, I don't know how to start my own business. I am not equipped to start my own business. I don't have capital to start my own business. So this is an example of how people get trapped. If you have ideas that either unattractive Mm like her continue being an international tax attorney or having ideas that are not viable, like let's go start a business, right? So if you don't have ideas that both attractive and viable, then you kind of will experience stuckness. You know, so we did all the work on her, you know, we did this on her career blueprint to understand who she is and what she wants, right? And then the the other piece of work that we do is what, what I call it, I call it a career leap map approach. This is where... We come up with abundance of ideas about where and what you could be doing. So, and then someplace where your blueprint marries your career leap map, someplace there is this intersection. Mm, Those right. becomes your viable ideas that we're willing to explore. So th- this lady was, she was a mom of two. She had an idea for a product for children herself. You know, she wasn't ready to start her own business, but she realized that she had this profound interest in children education and Things like that. You okay. Know? The next thing she, I know, I'm getting an email from her, I'm getting on the phone with her. She's like, Misha, I got a gig with an international educational toy company uh, in operational roles. So we kind of also look at roles. And, you know, she was very detailed oriented, very driven to produce results, kind of go get a type of a person, mm. which translates very nicely to COO or okay. operational type of a role. So okay. I got a gig, an international toy uh educational toy company in operational role and not only I'm doing what like aligned with what I want I, c- I I can also decide for myself whether running a business or creating my own business is for me or not. Right, So this is just an example of how mm. you go through structured thinking and then you arrive and then for a lot of people, maybe before starting business, there is some intermediary step for you to see mm. whether maybe going working for a startup and seeing what it takes to run a business or maybe some other things. But, mm. you know, running a business is definitely not a good idea for most people. <laughs>
0: I'm glad you ended with that little nugget there because that's what was going to be my opinion. I wish you would have been around like eight years ago to tell me that. Um, actually, check that. Every time I went and did some sort of training or an online class or anything about starting a business and they described the, the qualities that people need to do entrepreneurship, I went, oh yeah, that's not me. But I'll keep going. <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't a good move. Yeah, listen, if you're right. really driven towards that and it's
1: really calling you, you got to go try it, you know? Yeah. I don't want to put on lid on anybody, but it should be a very conscious decision. But right. what we what I want people to pay attention that there's kind of a, you know, uh, other people's ideas, right? We talked about one of the influences. So right now in our society, there is a really a romantic idea about, let me go start my own <clears> business.
0: Do your own thing kind go, of thing.
1: Yeah. Go explore it. Go explore it. But also, no that might or might not be for you you know like is right. any other idea
0: be real about it i think is the yeah 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 that's what i learned it's like you know the, when these people are trying to like people like you right i mean <laughs> they're trying to they're, they're not just saying these things and they want you to keep going with the course it's like <laughs> it's like you can stop anytime if you go no that's not for me um, so that but that, part of
1: it and the reason that people a cling to some of these ideas because they're not exploring a full set of ideas that are available true right you know so that's right, right. in the absence of abundance to ideas you cling to a few right and mm. uh so basically even before starting your business, Examine a broader set of ideas and see and listen. Running your own business, creating your own business—something that's really calling you, then go for it. Yeah. yeah. But really examine it and make. And to me, what's very important that people make very conscious choices, Mm. right? Because at the end of the day, um, what separates somebody jumping off the cliff, right? And the cliff considers all the unknowns that you deal with, right? Right. And a lot of people are scared to make career changes because it feels like jumping off the cliff, right? And part of the reason that it feels like jumping off the cliff, because if you actually take a very specific idea and investigate it, and you understand how much money will you make? Do you have the right skills and experience? What Maybe what additional learning you need to do? Mm-hmm. If you take the, a specific idea and really examine it thoroughly, and you decide to pursue it, it's not going to be like jumping off the cliff. It will be like making a leap. It's, it's, right. You will be jumping from one place to another. Now it's still ha- be a little bit scary and we'll have some risk to it. Right. It's on, on a very different magnitude than jumping off the cliff. Right. So that part of the things that I teach people is how to go through the systematic investigation of ideas. Right, right. To get to the right idea, so when they decide to make a change, it's very conscious, and they actually minimize risks and fears, and you know. And when they get there, outcome. they're
0: more likely to actually like what they're doing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which is which is part of the deal, I think. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your ideas on job search and interviewing. I. I know. Um,
1: yeah. Sure. Sure. I. Okay, so. Two distinct questions. The job search, I think, their traditional job searches when people people usually think the more resumes they send out, someplace, you know, that's kind of their measure of their effectiveness in job search. And I hear that a lot. I just send <laughs> Volume, out like right? 20 resumes. Yeah. I just right. and, and I it usually recruiter oh.
0: makes it so easy, you know. And I usually say, well,
1: listen, it could work, especially. If you kind of want to keep doing what you were doing, and mm-hmm. you kind of have your skills and experiences and your resume aligned to that, maybe that could be a strategy. Right, right, right. I I would also caution and say, it's very low probability to get like a dream job that way. You know, like if you're really looking for something, if you care profoundly where you work what Mm. you do with whom Mm. you work right that type of strategy is usually not likely it's possible you know it's a chance i would say yeah yeah.
0: i agree with you on that like i have a buddy who's a chemical engineer and he loves being a chemical engineer and he's really good at it so Mm -hmm. he's not trying to change his job (laughs) and he can go be a chemical engineer someplace new Right, and he's going sure, to kill but even, it there. Yeah, it'll be different. But it, it'll be different. Even,
1: even. Sure, I usually ask ask people to go go through an exercise to thinking where you want. Even they they know yeah, oh yeah. what it is they want to do and they want to stick to their profession. Right. The question of where you want to do. And in fact, in my philosophy, where is more important than what. So mm. where you work important is what you do. Because if you work in the right organization and with the right people, you're more likely to arrive to a better what. Mm. But if you so work true. in a poor organ in poor where that's not aligned with who you are, even mm. if you're doing what that's great, you're still at the end of the day not feel at home there and not going to be satisfied there. So to me, answering where is super important. And once you have clarity about where and what you do, then then you can actually pursue specific organizations. You know, you could pursue specific people. I think believe also in very unusual times that people are at our fingerprints. You know, you could connect to somebody on LinkedIn profile or write somebody a direct message Mm. that something wasn't available to people 20, 30 years ago. You can actually understand where these people went to school and what you have in common. Maybe you can get even an introduction or Mm. there's many ways. So I usually say... Get really clear. And the, the the other mistake that people make, they keep their options open, you know? So there is this, it's also kind of misunderstanding that if you think you're broad, right, then it will be easier for you. But in reality, if you think very broad, then you're personal. brand will look very broad and not going to be attractive to any of those things. So my recommendation is opposite. I was like, go as narrow as possible. Be very specific. This You wow. can actually have several very specific points that you can pursue, but make them very specific from what is the industry where you want to be or the type of organization. Mm-hmm. Be very clear about the role and pick one for now. Just start with one and create a very solid story and very clear story for one brand, personal brand that you're creating. And you might create several, you might consider different industry and different roles and find that all of that will require a different way of thinking about if you want to make your story relevant, if you want to make you noticeable, it got to be very precise. And the only way Mm. I call call it laser sharp, Mm. laser sharp. The only way to make it laser sharp, if if you pick a very particular point and then, if you do, then this is what gives you power. Then you can think about how do I think across all of my job experiences, learning skills that I have? How do I, and now, how can I craft my story that's relevant for this particular position? How do I summarize across all these different things to create a brand for me? You know, I just worked with this brilliant woman. She was a corporate attorney and she, like, as a little girl, she wanted to be a CEO of Disney. And she was, (laughs) and the reason that she went to law school because she wanted to be an entertainment lawyer. But then, one thing after another, she was in a corporate law. And here it is. She said, I actually like being a lawyer, but I don't want to be a corporate lawyer. I want to be an entertainment lawyer. So now we had to build a completely different story. It's not that easy from, from going from corporate law to entertainment law. So, right. so, so, so that she, ca- she literally to have to craft her story. So if you look at everything at uh, the courses that she maybe took in college, at uh, the pro bono work she did at some other, in- like to find the relevant pieces mm. to put it together mm. in order to, to have a, at least somewhat attractive story. Right. For, <laughs> so it's a so part of it. The more specific you, that's the more specific okay. you are about what it is you want then the much better you have a chance of building the story that you that you really want to present and that's compelling and relevant for others.
0: Mm, mm, mm. So let's talk a little bit about your thoughts on like like interviews. Like do you like interviews? Do you do you want so like how do you get an interview and then how do you nail an interview? How about that?
1: Again, so the getting an interview, we just spoke a little bit about. Right. That's part of it. Is your your LinkedIn, your resumes, all has to represent your story, and the better your story is, the more attractive you are, candidate. And the more, if you, I, I'm also always a believer that all great organizations before they post the jobs on their websites. They, go, they try to fill it in some other ways. It's only when they fail, they make this thing public. Right. So there's a That's lot true. of jobs and there's a lot of opportunities that are not being published on the website. So right. I think if you want to get go after organizations that you really like, go do research about them, go connect with people there, go be proactive about go get create an opportunity for them to get to know you. That's how I, I think you you go about getting interviews. And nailing that injury, well, I, I think it goes both ways. A So that's a, lo- a lot of work that I do with our clients around building a career blueprint. And career blueprint is really understanding who you are and what you want. And that creates a great foundation for questioning. So part of it to tell your brand story to them, but part of it, how do they know that they, they are the right organization for you? Mm, and what is your right. foundation for making a decision that you actually want to work there? Right. And a lot of it, like I'm trying to go away, that we do, do have a lot of intuitive things. But once we articulate a lot of ideas about who we are and what you want, then these intuitive things become very conscious things and you can ask very conscious places. So so one of the big examples, and that's where I asked a lot that a lot of organizations, and I work with people on, on, on uncovering their value system. And then a lot of organizations talk about their values, you know, my values integrity, my values customer service, my, my values helping customers. And then how do you know whether that's true? You know, like, how do you know that it's not just the words the organization publish and there is nothing behind that? Right, right. Right. So maybe I'll give you a quick tip to to the listeners to to give you some idea. So if organization is true about their value system and that you will find their value system, then you will see that it automatically will be translated into their business processes, into their performance evaluation model, into compensation model. If they true, so if they say that, you know, uh we want to uh, be the best uh, customer service organization. Then your question should be about: look, So how you know how does that reflect in your measurements? How do you measure that? Mm, how right. how do how do you uh, ve- uh, measure performance of people? How how is your compensation model? So you instantly look, how do you uh, what type of business practices? So it's all should be tied together. So that's mm. you know a bunch of questions. So depending on on their values and and uh, you can definitely ask them questions about that to see whether they true about that.
0: Yeah, I would call the customer service line. <laughs>
1: mm,
0: exactly. <laughs> yes. that's perfect that's great Mm -hmm. i love it so Mm -hmm. let's talk a little let's see here all right so you i know you're really into like how do you make sure that you're aligning with this thing like you know you're going to get something that's like meaningful to you and fulfilling is that part of that whole process
1: yeah yeah right part of it we work with people on uncovering their value systems. i'll use myself as an example my vocational values are uh, making a difference clarity and creating so making a difference like right now like my intention is to make a difference with you and with your audience you know right like okay clarity i don't always have clarity but i strive for it and in my work my job is to bring clarity to people okay and i created my teaching and my business and my ultimate creation when my clients uh, create what's next for them, right? Mm. So this is my value system, right? And then I organize not only my work; I organize my whole life around that. So my whole life—if I look at my life—I'm either with my family, right, which with this, which absolutely fits my value system. I'm either with my clients or in my business, which fits my value system, or I'm very involved with a nonprofit, Worldwide Orphans, and I do a lot of work in Ukraine now with the war there. I, you know, I founded an organization, Children of Ukraine, that's part of Worldwide Orphans, where we do a lot of work with kids there. So it's but if you think about it, like I organized my whole life in alignment with the value system. You know, I worked with this amazing African American gentleman and um he had a degree in pharmacology and he had his construction business. And what was amazing about him, he had like a really profound commitment to his community. He said, I really want to do something for my community. I really want to do something in my community. And he was had so many talents that he he when we were creating his career leap map, he had so many ideas there. Like too many ideas. Like, just like every <laughs> time he would come up with an how we choice. will ever yes, <laughs> how we will ever narrow it down. And then at the end, he came like we went through a few rounds and a few rounds longer than anybody else. And then he said, I know exactly what I want to do. I want to start an organic farm. And, and 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 what I want to contribute to my community is how to teach them to grow food in a sustainable way. So I worked with him several years ago, and in January I got an email from him, like Misha said, you won't believe it. So his values was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, curiosity, uh, creativity, and community. There were three C's, right? The, he said... My we started a farm. We right now. My brother and I are looking right now for a larger farm, mm. and we have our nonprofit.
0: Okay. And what
1: was amazing for me that everything he's doing inside of his value system, right? You mm. can build your whole life inside of value system that you have if you understand what it is.
0: Wow, That's, so. He was a he had a pharmacology degree, right? I am and a construction business. Yes, and then he started an organic farm. Yep. I like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it sounds like the it guy like me that then, mm. then went and did a psychology degree and then went to, to massage school. So I'm still mm. looking for what I want to do. <laughs> it's good. I think learning is uh, is awesome. And, uh, and you can never like like run out of new things to try. Anyway, that's me. Um, so okay, so let's talk about these three things: authentic, authenticity, relevance, and transparency. Because I love authenticity. I think it's it's an excellent tool for life and in, in in general, right? So if if I'm super authentic with a guest, and they don't like me, they just leave. <laughs> it's a great filter. And simultaneous attractor. That's that's my opinion on authenticity. So w- what are your thoughts?
1: Okay, so I think you pick, picked it from like the, my principles of impactful communication, right, right? right? And what I say that that's, in all your communication, whether it's Razumel, LinkedIn, whether it's you talk in a conversation with people, whether you reach out to new contacts, you can be guided by principle of impactful communication. So one of them that you want to be authentic. And to me, authentic is being true to who you are and what it is you want. and But it starts with your personal clarity. You cannot be authentic if you're not clear. So part of it is you, you need to get clear about what it is you want, what are your aspirations, and then it could be part of your messaging. You can you can do it in a very, very uh, authentic way and inspiring way. Relevance related to, so if you, Resume is a great example uh, of how most people are not using this uh, principle people organize the resume in chronological order with a lot of bullets as if anybody's interested in your autobiography and everything <laughs> that you did there right <laughs> so the 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 once you're clear about what it is you want and that's where the clarity again comes important then you can organize all your communication in a way that it's relevant mm. so you you crafting the story about yourself that right. you presenting to other people right so in that story you choosing what information you showing in what order and in what level of detail and that's basically the key to relevance okay. that if you are clear about what it is you want and what you're going after then you bring relevant information in in higher detail than irrelevant and in you know in in, in the order that makes sense that makes and sense. transparent the other piece were you know that's kind of what could become disappointing for both parties because everybody you just try to be pretend that you know something that you don't or you're trying so i work with a lot of people that that are making industry shifts or role shifts and i usually say hey be transparent that you don't know acts be transparent that you're moving into industry that you don't know but we can build a, make a case of why it's a good thing that you can bring maybe certain expertise from other industry that will be uh, or that you know you have evidence that you thrive in these environments where you're not not familiar when you know, and that's where you become innovative or that you, there is evidence that you have succeeded in these big changes because Either you move countries or you switch degrees or you change profession already. So part of transparency could be extraordinary appealing for the brand. So instead of hiding that you don't know something, you don't have something. Right, right. Be transparent about it because nobody's stupid. People will understand that you don't it's have it. It's probably going to come it,
0: out anyway in a bad so way. Put yourself
1: yeah. in the driver's seat and, and have a good story why, why. Why it might be fine. Why it might not be a problem. Might be actually your asset. Right. 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 So that's basically goes to three principles of authentic of of impactful communication: be authentic, mm-hmm. be relevant, and be transparent.
0: Yeah, I, I I remember. I can't remember the actor's name. I think it might have been uh, Robert Patrick. You remember the the Liquid Terminator mm. guy?
1: No, no, I, I'm not good with cultural <laughs> references.
0: I'm sorry. And names. <laughs> Okay, not important. He's an actor, right? So actors their their job interviews are called auditions, right? So his point of uh in this podcast mm. interview he made was he just looked at uh an audition as a skill. Right. that he wanted to get really good at. And sometimes mm. that he wants to be honest and be really good and make a connection. And maybe he gets the job and maybe he doesn't. But even if he doesn't get the job, that person, the next time they go to cast something, is going to remember that positive impact, that positive connection. And I was like, that's awesome. (laughs) That's like, maybe not this job, but remember me for next time kind of idea. So, okay. So, uh, um, a lot of people, me included, we get stuck in jobs. So let's talk a little bit about why people get stuck in jobs and why they stay there, even though they might not, you know, think that's the best job for them.
1: Yeah. So why I think I gave you the reason, it's, it's, you know, we spoke a little bit about that. How did you get here? Look at the series of choices that you made and mostly it's other people's opinions, not yours. It's circumstances, right. And it's inertia. So then you kind of arrive and then, You know, there are several traps that people, you know, one of them is, I call them skills and experience trap when you, you know, you invest it into a skill and experience. And then if you look at the traditional way people look for job, you update your resume, right? With your skills and experience that you'll reach out to your network that probably part of the same framework. And then you'll get interviews from the places where that skills and experience are valued. And then you'll get you probably get another version of the current job you know maybe it will that pay a little sense. bit more maybe it will be a little right. bit so and then people are like why am i not happy why am i not happy okay i need to do something else and then they will update their resume and they will follow exactly the same cycle they've done before right. i've done it myself so i'm very familiar with all of these things i'm not talking theoretically <laughs> that kind of experience. all of these things that i spoke I've about i've done that yeah. So, um, so that's a trap. So, yeah, and that, and that's, and people stay stuck. And then at some point, they really a, they don't have good ideas about what they want to do. B, they might lose confidence in themselves. Three, they might be concerned if they have families, mortgages, then they're afraid of taking risks. So there's like a lot of reasons. If you think about a concept of status quo is like a swamp and it's literally kind of designed to suck you in and whatever is happening in your head will be always like just regurgitating the same ideas and pulling you back and why you can't do it, why it's not possible. And even once in a while, there's some idea that will, you know, will come out and will uh, will jump out of a swamp accidentally, you know, there will be a force that will pull it back. You know, that's... that's <laughs> right. That's basically how things are with status quo. And I think, again, part of the power tool is having career education. That's basically because if you have the right tools, if you can be in a systematic inquiry about who you are and what I want, what are the options that are available to me? How do I make right for me choices? And how do I get the right tools to actually get what I want? Mm. then it becomes a completely different conversation than when status quo is starting to lose its power because suddenly you have really tangible tools and tangible ways you can. The other way people get stuck is because they they. it's very scary to commit to the change, you know, because change is unknown. Change is really terrifying.
0: Right, um, that's true.
1: But, so I would say if you can't commit to change, it's actually fine. Commit to exploration. That's a great start. And it's Mm. much easier once you explore your option, understand what's right for you, then you will feel if there is a change that you want to commit to. But first and foremost, you got to commit to an exploration. Mm. And maybe the only other point that I want to add here, because a lot of people ask me, so when is the right time? When is the right time? They usually say, hey, if you ask me when is the right time, you're probably already kind of behind. And there,
0: (laughs) I would say the
1: best, I don't know who said that, that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. But the second best time to plant a tree is now. Right. Right. So yeah. If you are in that inquiry is that the right time, that means probably you could have started sometime back. But the second best time is really now.
0: Right. No, I agree. Yeah. I think I felt that that um, even when I was in the Air Force, I, I thought those things, you know, like mm. I can't wait for this this assignment to be over.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Uh, but you know, I also, you know, a good thing about knowing you're going to leave at a particular time or date, you know, you can, you can change your set. Okay. This will not last forever. (laughs) It'll be okay. And the next one might be better. Um, okay. So Misha, this has been a blast. We're, we're coming up on the hour mark, so we should start wrapping up and I know you've got stuff to do. So do I. (laughs) So how can people get best get in touch with Misha at, let me make sure I get the URL right. So it's thecareerleap.com.
1: That's the best place the come to thecareerleap.com, you bull. A, there is a contact form, you can reach out to me, you mm. you can read about me, about my programs, about testimonials from people that I work with. So there's a lot of good stuff on the website and there are a lot of things to try and there's a lot of new things that's coming, I'm building about a b- bunch of really cool tools with AI engines and that will help you career ideate and that will wow. give you feedback on your resume. So I'm doing a super exciting things. So I don't know when this interview will come out, but come and, and check out what's what's there.
0: Excellent. Misha, this has been a blast. I think I learned a lot. (laughs) And uh, I hope to talk again soon. Uh, Maybe I'll get more free coaching. I'm going to have to take notes after I listen to the recording. All right. So thank you very much. You have a good one.
1: Okay. My pleasure.